Good morning and welcome to our second week of our Nehemiah series. Uh, If you have no idea who Nehemiah is, here's a quick overview of the story. Nehemiah is a Jew uh, living in captivity, working for a Babylonian king, King Artaxerxes. Uh, He is a cupbearer there and uh, he has been given a burden uh, by God to go back and rebuild the city of Jerusalem, the city of his ancestors. And this city has been been torn down and, and broken, the walls have been broken in the and the temple has been torn down for over 130 years. So he prays and he, he, he has God on his side and he gets the king's blessing. And he is released from slavery and is given the resources from the king to go and build the walls of Jerusalem. And he relies on some people to help him with that cause. And we see that in chapter 2 of Nehemiah where it says in chapter 2 verses 16 and 18. The city officials did not uh, know that I had been out there or what I was doing. For I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, and the officials, or anyone in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about the gracious hand of God and how it had been on me, and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, Let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. So last week, we talked about this effort of rebuilding the city walls, and and we want to use it as a metaphor and a challenge for us that over the series that we would look at the walls of our own lives and look at which walls might need to be rebuilt. And if we use this metaphor metaphor, of these walls in our lives, we know that over the course of time, uh, that there can become holes and cracks and in, in these walls and they can begin to fall down. And through these holes and these cracks, enemies can get in and then we have a spiritual enemy named Satan who wants to tear down our defenses and destroy our lives. Jesus, in fact, calls him a thief in John 10.10. 10. He says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's why it's so important we begin to rebuild the walls of our lives and all the places that we've neglected over time, and the places that we're weak. All of these areas need to be rebuilt. And many of us probably don't even have to think too hard about, about where those areas are. In fact, probably last week, if you, if you listened to last week's sermon and you were here with us, that uh, God was already giving you and, and showing you places in your life that, that need to be rebuilt and places that you need uh, to take some action. And we don't want to just think about it and, and see that something needs done. We need to take action and rebuild and start improving our lives. Rebuilding is hard, and it might look different for you than it does for me. For some, it's relational. How many in this room maybe have, have uh, you know, adult children who aren't, you aren't talking to anymore? You, you want to rebuild that relationship, and I know that you're working on it. Maybe you've got a friendship that's broken down or a marriage conflict that's going on in your life, and you're beginning to work on that. Maybe it's your career. Maybe you're feeling stuck in your current job, or, or you have too many options. You don't know which to choose, or it's financial. You have debt rebuilding that you need to do. You need to rebuild your financial house. And for many of us, it's the spiritual rebuilding. And that's what needs to take place. There are areas in our lives that we need to address. Maybe you've been living your life on your own terms for a really long time, and it hasn't been working out. And today's a good day to start to rebuild and focus on what God has for you. Rebuilding these walls of our lives is a a big deal. And I want to tell you something this morning, that if you are willing to rebuild the walls of your life, if you're willing to uh, follow God's direction and His leading, I have some news for you. You will face opposition while you do this. 
This opposition will take many different forms. Sometimes it could be people or circumstances or temptation. Our own desires and preferences will get in the way. But if you're going to start and you're going to start to dig through the rubble of your life, I will tell you, you will face opposition. So, so how do we start? How do we, how do we not just do it when it's easy, but how do we push through? How do we endure and last when things get tough and when we face opposition? What is going to keep us going? We've got a story we've been following through Nehemiah. We're going to pick up in chapter 4. It says, Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this poor bunch of feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can rebuild the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of the stones and rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Sanballat makes it known that he is not in favor of what Nehemiah is doing. And his, his favorite form of, of opposition is mockery. He's making fun of them. He's, and he's not alone. He's got a little buddy with him named uh, Tobiah. We pick that up in verse 3. Tobiah the Ammonite was standing beside him and remarked, the stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked on top of it. These two are making fun of the Jews. They are, they are casting doubt on them and, and saying the, the, wall, the wall that you're building, even though it's, it's starting to go up, it's, it's still weak and, and it's awful and they're, they're just not helping out. They're mocking them. And we pick it up in verse, uh, verse 6 in, in chapter 4. It says, at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked hard with enthusiasm. This is key for every one of us. When we are building, even though people may be mocking us, when we are building, we need to see progress. We need to see progress in what we're doing. We need to see that what we're doing actually matters and it makes a difference. We've all had those tasks that it didn't seem to matter how hard we worked or how much we did. There always seemed to be more to do. I worked at a sign shop when I was younger. It was one of my first real jobs. And one of the first tasks I was given was to go out into the back lot and start salvaging uh, from all of the old signs that they had torn down. I had to salvage all of the, the scrap metal and the, and the things like that, that, the things that were still valuable. I had to go out and sort through those and, and see if any sign boxes could be you know, repaired and reused. And that was my, that was my job. And it, it felt like, hey, as soon as I started making some progress, all of a sudden they would bring in a pile more boxes or they'd tell me, oh yeah, there's another area just over here that also needs done. It seemed never-ending. If, if you can't relate with that, if you've got toddlers and you've ever tried to fold laundry, you know that it's almost impossible because as soon as you start folding it up, they start tearing it down. We want to see progress. But you can count on this, that as progress grows in your life, as you begin to rebuild the walls of your life, the opposition will grow. You see, the wall is half its original height and they're doing well, but as progress increases, so does the opposition. And we see that in the story of Nehemiah. Sam Ballad and Tobiah saw that their words were not working, that they weren't deterring, uh, they weren't deterring the Jews. And so they decided to take it to the next level. And we see in verse 7, it says, But when Sam Ballad and Tobiah and the Arabs, Anamites, and Ashadites heard that the work, what the work was going on and going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw, it, uh, throw us into confusion. See, they move from mockery and mocking the Jews to, to threats and, and, and to making attempts on their life. And they were, they were traveling around to other nations and, and letting them know and making up lies about them so that, so that they too would come against Jerusalem and what Nehemiah was trying to do. 
and it all starts to take a toll on the people who are rebuilding the wall. So in the next couple of verses here, we see four types of opposition that Nehemiah and the Jews face. And these are four types of opposition that I believe uh, that if you're going to start rebuilding the walls of your life, you will face these as well. So let's pick it up here in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night and protected ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to rebuild the walls ourselves. The first opposition that we see is, is that they were starting to get tired. And I think this is something that most of us can relate to here. There are areas in your life that you know need built. You know that you need to do some hard work and kind of, you know, address those issues. But you're just so worn out. You're just so tired. You see, you see that relationship that once was important and you, you know it needs fixed, but you you just can't. You can't put forth the effort anymore. Maybe you've, maybe you've tried before and you're now just exhausted with, with trying. And when we get tired, we look for the easy. We have three kids, Harper being our youngest and Roman being our oldest. And there are things that Harper gets away with that Roman never would have and never did. We're tired. And the people of Jerusalem, their strength was giving out and they were tired. So you might be tired too in rebuilding your walls. The second opposition that uh, the Jews faced is, is the end result, the finish line. Like we said before, you've, I know that you've started a task and, and at the beginning the goal is so clear and so, so defined, but somewhere along the way you get, you get caught up in, in, and consumed with all that you're doing that you forget about the finish line and it almost seems like it will never be crossed. And even though the Jews were halfway done, they looked at everything that was still there, all the rubble that was still surrounding them, and they became overwhelmed. Do you remember that retaining wall that I talked about last week, the one I built at my, uh, my first home? That retaining wall, uh, like I said, it, it, uh, it took some time for me to get going on building. It took me seven years of us living there before I actually started rebuilding uh, that retaining wall. And I knew that it needed done, but it took me almost a month to complete on my own. And, and when I was doing that, I, there were days while I was in that that it, it seemed like it was going to be in never-ending task. There was, there was always another stone to move, always more gravel to fill and more rebar to place, and it just seemed like the end was so far from me. And we get that sometimes. We get excited, and we see that in the same story of Nehemiah. We see in chapter 2, uh, when Nehemiah first talks uh, to, uh, talks to the religious leaders, and, and I opened up with that today, and our, uh, let's rebuild the wall is what they said. When Nehemiah said, hey, we've got we've to remove the disgrace from Jerusalem, they cried out, let's rebuild the wall. But here we find in Nehemiah 4.10, the words that come out of their mouths are, we will never be able to rebuild the wall. So they're tired. They, they can't see the end. And in verse 11, it says, meanwhile, our enemies are saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The third thing is that the Jews were afraid. And this one, this one can get a lot of us. It doesn't just slow us down when we're afraid. It can stop us. It can paralyze us. When we are afraid of something, when, when we start something new, when we start tackling it, you can start to become very fearful because you're not sure of what's going to happen. And, and fear can be so much, become so much of our focus that we, we lose the, the view of how good life will be and how great our, those rebuilt relationships will be and how, how much that financial security will be, how much 
a new career could actually benefit us and how much healthier our prayer life would be if we just started rebuilding the walls and the spiritual walk of our life and how much, how much better our relationship could be with God and with people. But remember that although fear may come and although it may seem big and scary, it's smaller than the God we serve. And remember that fear does not come from God. We found in, and we can see when, when Paul is talking to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, seven says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. When fear grips us, we become inactive, and, and that's where Satan wants us. Sidelined, knocked out of commission, out of the game, useless. Don't let fear stop you from rebuilding your life. The fourth opposition we see here in our story, and it may surprise you, is, is friends and family. Picking up in verse 12, the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. The Jews mentioned here are not the ones who are involved in building the wall. They're not the ones uh, uh, who, who you know, put their hands uh, to this. They've just arrived to let the builders know that, hey, if you keep going, if you keep uh, building this wall, there are a lot of people who don't like it, and they're probably going to come and kill you, okay? Uh, we've done our part, and we're going to leave. So these are, these are fellow Jews who will benefit from the protection of the wall who are saying, oh, by the way, if you keep doing this, there's going to be trouble. You know, sometimes our friends and family who don't understand what God is doing in our lives, what, what is evident, they can become our opposition. I've talked to people who, in our church whose family and friends mock them for coming to church and for, for trying to rebuild their lives in the way of Jesus Christ. They, they all say things like, oh, you go to church, you're better than us. Or, and that's not the truth, that's not the reality, but that's how people feel sometimes. And our friends and family can say, oh, you found Jesus. And they can mock us and they can be a hindrance. And if you allow them to influence you more than you allow the words of Scripture and the words of, of people who are on the same path and the people who are around you building walls, they can become an obstacle for you. But on the other hand, if you have friends and family who are following Christ and who are rebuilding the walls of their own life, it can be a great encouragement to you. Remember I said last week, as a church, we're in this together. We are, we are just broken people helping broken people rebuild the walls of our lives. So all the while the people are facing opposition, Nehemiah is tasked with the job of leading them, pointing out where they're going. He's been getting death threats himself. He's facing opposition on his own. He's even having his own people turn against each other. So, so what has kept him going? What has allowed him to, to lead these people? What is it that's keeping him going? Think about it. At any point, any point in this whole thing. He was there with the king's permission. He could leave at any time. He could go back and, and sit at the king's table and, and, and have, a lap, uh, have some more comfort in, in the palace. He could go back and do that at any time. He was a cupbearer. He had the permission of the king. He didn't have to be doing this. But he didn't want that. But what kept him going? You see, Nehemiah had the answer to the question that you and I need to answer as well. And that's, what's my why? What's my motivation? Why am I doing this? Why am I rebuilding the walls of my life? Why is this so important? And if you don't have a why, a why that, that you're rebuilding, and if you, if you don't understand it, you will, you will give up. And it's got to be more than a why that just comes from you. 
It's got to come from God. Let me give you an example. Some of you uh, work pretty intense jobs, and, and it can be difficult for you to finish all of the tasks in, the, in, the, in order to be done at the end of the week. And sometimes those tasks bleed over to, uh, over to the next week, and they become a headache for you even in, into the weekend and things like that. But there is one time that most of us are able to get everything accomplished that we absolutely need to. And that's when we've got vacation time coming. And man, you can, you'd be surprised what you can get done in a very short week. Why? Because you don't want to have to deal with it. You don't want to have the emails and the texts and the, and, uh, and the phone calls and all of that while you're on vacation. You don't want to have the weight on you. So we work harder. We, we become more diligent and we're able, to, we're able to bang out a little more in the run of a day in the run of a week than we normally would be because we don't want to have that. Our why is bigger than our what. And more than that, when you look at the areas of your life that you need to rebuild, what's your why there? If you're going to rebuild the walls of your life, you're going to get tired. You're going to get overcome with fear. And you will need a why that comes from God. So as the people were, f- were failing, Nehemiah said this in verse 14. Then as I looked over the situation, this is Nehemiah speaking, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Do not be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. And fight for your brothers and sisters and daughters and wives and homes. Nehemiah is reminding them, remember God's promises. Remember that you're not just building a wall uh, for you. Remember in your own life that you're not just rebuilding the broken walls of your life for you. You're doing it for your friends and your family and your neighbors and your society. You, if you're stronger, we're all stronger together. If you're stronger, your family's stronger. And, and honestly, you don't know how the decisions you make, the walls you rebuild in your own life today, how they'll affect your children. Or, or their children, or, or even their children. You don't know for generations what stability you might provide by having a firm foundation and having strong walls in your own life. And that's why, that's why they're rebuilding the wall. They're rebuilding it for the future. Nehemiah didn't get there and kind of rally cry them and say, hey, you got to keep going. We just got a little bit farther to go. He gave them a specific and significant purpose to what they were doing as to why they rebuilt. Rebuilding the walls of your life will take time and diligence. And it needs to be understood. And it needs to be wrapped up in a purpose that brings glory to God. Even in the face of opposition. Jesus told us we would face opposition. But the reality, he has already overcome. And we have a priest, a high priest, who who knows our hurts and our pains. and, and And is willing to sit beside us and sift through the rubble and rebuild our walls, and he has already overcome every opposition. He has already overcome this world. And let me leave you with this scripture found in John sixteen thirty three. These are the words of Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world.